You are listening to Revival Talk. I'm Pastor Terry Bailey, and I want to thank you for joining me today on the podcast. In today's podcast, we're going to talk about how to overcome the spirit of poverty and the thieves who seek to rob us of our harvest. The thief does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and they may have it more abundantly. On my way to the office several weeks ago in a time of prayer and worship, the Lord spoke very clearly to me and he said, Son, you're entering into a reaping season. In all of my life and walk with God, I don't think I've ever heard the Lord speak those words and say, you're entering into a reaping season. Oh, there have been times when I've reaped and there have been times when God has been good to me. But I believe that we're entering into a reaping season. What does it mean? Well, it means it is time for the harvest. We're going to harvest from the seeds that we have sown. Genesis 8.22 says, While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, and day and night shall not cease. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 through 9, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man sows, that will he also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And I like what verse 9 says, Let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not faint. In due season, we shall reap. Let me read it to you from the New Living Translation. Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So let's not get tired of doing what is good at just the right time. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's the right time. At just the right time, we're going to reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. I don't know about you, but as for me and my house, we're going to enter into a harvest season. And we're going to overcome the enemies who come to steal our harvest. God's desire today is to bless his children. He's not the God of just enough. He's the God of more than enough. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6-8, But this I say, who who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. I want to read 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6-8 from the Amplified Bible. And God is able to make all grace, every favor and earthly blessing come to you in abundance so that you may always have and under all circumstances, whatever the need be, 
self-sufficient, possessing enough to require no aid or support, and furnished in abundance for every good work and charitable donation. I love the words of Jesus. I'm come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Jesus didn't say, I came to have life and you be depressed all the time. He didn't say, I, come to, I, I came that you might have life and just get by and live under stress and duress and anxiety and fear and live in torment. No, he said, I'm come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. One translation reads, to the full, till it overflows. The complete Jewish Bible says this, I'm come so that they may have life, life in its foolish measure. I believe if we're going to see a harvest, we have to understand the laws of the harvest. John Lawrence has written about seven laws of the harvest in his book titled Seven Laws of the Harvest. Let me quickly give them to you. We reap much more than we sow. We reap the same kind as we sow. You know you can't plant corn and expect to get cucumbers. You can't put out, you don't plant tomatoes, you put out tomatoes. I've been corrected over that through the years. You put out those tomato plants and what do they do? You don't go out there and get peaches. You get tomatoes. Number three, we reap in a different season than we sow. Number four, we reap more than we sow. Number five, we reap in proportion as we sow. Number six, we reap the full harvest of the good only if we persevere. The evil comes to harvest on its own. How many of you have ever planted a garden and you go back out there and all the weeds are growing in your garden? you got to persevere. Number seven, we cannot do anything about last year's harvest, but we can about this year's harvest. One of the enemies who threatens to take our harvest is the spirit of poverty. As believers, we're engaged in a conflict. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, listen to what it says. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood. But we're wrestling against a spiritual enemy. Who is this thief? Well, he's principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this age, spiritual host in, 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 in the heavenly places. It's the enemy. Paul wrote to his young son in the faith, Timothy, concerning this conflict in 1 Timothy 6, 12. Listen to what he says. Fight the good fight of faith. I believe we have to contend for our harvest. I believe the enemy wants to come to steal, kill, and destroy and to take the blessings that God wants to give to us. You say, well, I don't know, Pastor. I don't know that I, I really deserve to be blessed. That's the spirit of poverty that will tell you that. That's the enemy whispering in your ear. Now, listen, I'm not preaching unconditional prosperity that says God's going to give everybody a Mercedes Benz. But listen to the following scriptures. I'm going to prove to you that God wants to bless you. Hebrews 6, 14. Surely blessing I will bless you and multiply and I will multiply you. Genesis 26, 12. Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold and the Lord blessed him. By the way, you say, what well, I say in the old covenant. I have a better covenant than Isaac. People say, well, you know, God blessed people in the old covenant physically, but he just blesses us spiritually in the new covenant. Come on, somebody. Healing's not just in the old covenant. Healing's in the new covenant. If God will bless Isaac, how much more will he bless you? Psalms 5:12. For you, O Lord, will bless the righteous with favor. You will surround him as with a shield. Proverbs 11:25. The generous soul will be made rich. 
And he who waters will also be watered himself. Proverbs 22, 4, By humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. Jeremiah 29, 11, from the NIV, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Philippians 4, 19, And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. We're entering into a reaping season. God's desire is to raise us up to a whole new level as a body of believers, not so we can have more, but so we can do more for the kingdom of God. So this morning I want to speak to you about how to out, how to overcome, and how to overthrow this stronghold of poverty. So let's look at it, poverty outed. To out somebody is to expose or unmask them. It means to reveal their true identity. Jesus identified Satan as a thief. He also called him a liar and the father of lies. The scripture calls him the accuser of the brethren and a deceiver. But this morning I want to expose the thief of poverty and I want to out him for who he really is. I want you to see how it works to rob you of the blessings that God desires to give you. God is elevating us. God is blessing us. Why is God blessing us? So we can be a blessing to others. He blesses us so we can do more for his kingdom. Dr. Chuck Pierce in his book, God's Now Time for Your Life, writes this. He said, the greatest spirit that we seem to be contending with in our material society is poverty. Poverty is refusing to become what God has created and destined us to be and not believing that the Lord can branch us into the fullness of his plan. Poverty is not just experiencing lack, but also the fear that we will lack. Poverty comes when we conform our circumstances to the blueprint that the world has surrounded us with. Poverty occurs when the God of this world surrounds and influences us with only a worldly perspective, causing us to forget God's ability in the midst of our circumstances. Poverty is the voice that says, God is not able. I found this definition. John Lewis Moratori writes, he says the conventional definitions of poverty do not capture the true sense of the word. They are one-dimensional, focusing only on the economic state. Every example of poverty says this, poorness, impoverishment, the state of having little or no money, and few or no material possessions. A financial and economic condition, want, deprivation, the state of one who lacks a usual or socially acceptable amount of money or material possessions. According to this definition, we can spot poverty by the car it drives, the type of house in which it lives, the side of town it comes from, the amount of money it makes, and the clothes it wears. But that's prejudicial. And that's not what the scripture is talking about, and that's not how I define poverty. Listen to this definition. Poverty is not the state of not having... Poverty is the fear of not getting. And it will cause you to hold tightly to what you have. Poverty is not a state of being. It is a state 
of mind. Proverbs eleven twenty four. There's one who scatters yet increases more, and there's one who withholds more than is right, but it leads to poverty. The generous soul shall be made rich, and he who waters will also be watered himself. Dr. Robert Morris writes in his book, The Blessed Life, he said the spirit of poverty will cause you to be ashamed of the blessings of God. Feel guilty when God blesses you. He tells a story about how he was playing golf, and he said there was this really nice golf jacket that he liked in the clubhouse and he wanted to buy it and he went in and bought it It was 50% off and he got it at a good deal but he said I took that that on and he said all through that golf day he said I really believe it affected my golf game he said because I just felt like the enemy kept whispering in our ear you don't deserve that you shouldn't have that you shouldn't have that nice jacket that's too expensive so when the golf game was over he went back and got a refund but then he said he stewed on it for several days and he said for about three days he just had a real bad attitude he felt like the Lord had kind of cheated him in a way and said finally the Lord had enough of it and spoke to him and he said son I have nothing to do with your bad golf game you did that all by yourself <laughs> and the Lord rebuked him and said that is a spirit of poverty that has gotten on you listen to me if God blesses you you don't have to be ashamed or feel guilty about having those blessings come on somebody and we need to quit comparing ourselves to others. Listen, when somebody drives up here in a new car, I don't say, Lord, I should have a new car. I don't have a new car. Why are you blessing them with a new car and you didn't give me a new car? You know what I do? I say, man, hallelujah, I'm so happy for you. I bless you in the name of the Lord. I'm just glad for you. Take me for a ride. Take me to lunch. Do something. Learn how to celebrate others. If your house is bigger than mine, praise God. Be content with what God has given to you. And don't compare yourselves to others. Am I preaching okay? If you give to God, you'll be blessed. That's just a kingdom principle. And the job of the spirit of poverty is to make you feel guilty or ashamed of the blessings of God. Poverty has nothing to do with money. It's a mindset. And it becomes a stronghold. And it's used by the enemy to stop you from entering into your destiny assignment. A poverty mindset is not limited to people who are poor. Wealthy people. People have lots of money and have a lot of resources. They can be bound by poverty. The mindset convinces people that they don't have enough. Poverty comes from a root word that means small means or scarceness. It keeps people under a canopy of despair. And often the purpose person feels that they will never amount to anything they don't have hope of ever getting a break the person feels that life has trapped them in a place where they cannot escape so how do we overcome this thief who steals away our harvest we expose the enemy we call him out and then we evict him we need to understand the authority we have in the name of Jesus Luke 10, 19, Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. We need to understand the power of his name. Listen to Colossians 1, 16. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. John 14, 14, If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. 
How do we overcome the evil one? Revelation 12, 11, they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. I have to cast down those imaginations. I have to take captive those thoughts that come and say you're not worthy. You're not good enough. You should feel guilty because you have this and somebody else doesn't. We have to deal with that. And if we're going to overcome this, we're going to have to have our minds renewed. Romans 12, 1 and 2, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So how do we renew our mind? By studying and meditating on the Word of God. And the Word washes over you. It'll deal with mindsets. It'll deal with attitudes. It'll deal with thoughts. I'm preaching good and can't get no help in here. Joshua 1, 8, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. Then you will make your way prosperous. Then you will have good success. What is good success? I found this definition of success. Success occurs when we accomplish God's redemptive plan for our lives. If we're going to overcome this spirit, we have to change our confession. Oh, Pastor, are you preaching this positive confession? No, I'm preaching how to confess the Word of God. You've got to learn to speak the Word over your circumstances. Our confession is the Word. What does the Word say about me? I'm the head and not the tail. I, I won't come up short in any gift. He's the God who's more than enough. Somebody's getting a hold of this this morning. And God's going to transform you. He's going to change your circumstances. We combat poverty by being kind and generous. There's a scripture that says, The generous soul shall be made fat. Boaz allowed Ruth to glean in his field. What is my confession? What am I speaking? Philippians 4.19, My God shall supply all my need according to his riches in glory. Philippians 4, 7, the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Psalms 37, 4, delight yourself in the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart. Isaiah 54, 17, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. There's some things you can speak over your life. So we have outed poverty. We have overcome poverty, but now let's overthrow poverty. We're not looking today for relief or momentary victory. But we've come looking for complete victory and deliverance. John 8, 36. He who's, therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Romans 8, 37. We've been made more than conquerors through him who loved us. The Greek word there for conquerors means a super conqueror. So how do we overcome the spirit of poverty? I read this. Giving is the great breaker of poverty. You break the grip of poverty by responding in the opposite manner. When it says grip tighter and you are overcome with the fear of losing what you have, let go and let God. Put your trust in a loving Savior who will never leave nor forsake you. Let go of what you have in your hands. 
You know how they trap monkeys. They'll get a gourd and they'll cut a hole where the monkey can get his hand in there open and they'll put a piece of fruit or a banana or something in there and the monkey will grip it and won't let go of it and then he can't get out of the trap. What's in your hand? Remember Moses? God said, how will Pharaoh know you sent me? He said, what's in your hand? He had a rod in his hand. He said, throw down the rod. You see that? What's in your hand today? You say, Pastor, I can't give tens of thousands of dollars. What can you give? Start somewhere. It's not the amount. It's the obedience. You remember Jesus, when he was at the temple, you know where he was sitting? He's sitting next to the offering box. He was sitting next to the offering box. Can you imagine that Jesus is sitting next to the offering box? And these people came and they gave their gifts. And, but there was a little widow woman. She had two mites. She had 50 cents, two quarters. And she put in that 50 cents. And Jesus said she's given more than all. See, we wouldn't have measured it that way. We just said 50 cents, that's not going to pay the light bill. Glory, somebody put in $1,000. Somebody put in $100. But Jesus saw that it was all she had. And she gave. Folks, that's the way you break this thing. That's the way you set yourself up for blessing. The Lord spoke this to me, and I wrote it down. God, giving unlocks the provision of heaven in our lives. Give, and it will be given to you, Luke six thirty-eight. Good measure, pressed down. Shaken together and running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you used, it will be measured back to you. What happens when we're faithful stewards to the kingdom? Proverbs 10, 4, he who has a slack hand becomes poor, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. Proverbs 10, 22, the blessing of the Lord makes one rich and he adds no sorrow with it. Isaiah 1, 19, if you're willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10, honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. The Bible said the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. We don't own anything. He owns it all. We are made stewards or managers to manage what he puts into our hands. Giving to God is not for the benefit of the church. It's for your benefit. What does it do? It breaks the power of greed in your life. It deals with selfishness in our lives. The more we give to God, the more God crucifies those things in our lives. We don't give to get. Let me close this with this thought right here. Beth and I were pastoring... Kayla was one year old, maybe almost two. I didn't make very much money. I was having a tough time. We made a commitment that Beth would stay home with our daughter. She left the workplace to be a stay-at-home mom. And I think she did a magnificent job. She homeschooled. That brilliant little girl lives in our house. She's a grown woman now. And we made that commitment. I didn't have very much savings, just a little bit. You know, 
how it is when you're young and you're just starting out. I lived in a parsonage, didn't have a house of my own. I'm thankful for that. Never was unthankful. Beautiful home. I just don't want you to misunderstand me here in my heart. But when you have your own home, so you build equity. And that helps you. It builds your personal worth and it helps you in the years to come. I've known pastors that lived in parsonages most of their life. And I, I honor them. And then when they get older and they retire, they have a hard time finding a home and getting a home to live in. I'm thankful for the system we have today. But I lived in the parsonage and I started fasting. I went on a 21-day fast. And I got a hold of some of these scriptures and the Lord said to me, he said, son, you start claiming what you want to make. You start claiming what you want to make. And I gave God a figure that I thought was fair, that I felt. And we had this group that came. I went to Brownsville and met these people. They were from South Africa. They were called the McGregor Brothers. Richard, you may remember them. They were South African. Their dad was like the old Roberts to South Africa of his day. They said he would go down in the townships and preach and put up his tent and miracles would take place. Bootleggers would get saved and the sheriffs would come and lock him up because they were getting the kickbacks from the bootleggers. And they came here with nothing and they said God's called us to be missionaries to America. And they went to Brownsville, and I met them. I said, would you come to my church? And they came, man, we had a revival. And I was taking a class at Emmanuel College. I was driving home one night, and the Lord spoke to me, and he said, son, I want you to plant a seed of $1,000. That was a lot of money to somebody who didn't have very much in his savings. And he said, I want you to do it publicly. I thought, Lord, I don't want to get up public. And he said, I want you to share with the church what you're doing and tell them I want to raise the level of giving and I want to do something magnificent. We probably gave that group the biggest offering we'd ever given any group that week. I gave that money. And while we were in revival, I had a phone call from Oklahoma and said, we want you to go to Baltimore. And I did. And when I went up, they handed me a paper and said, here's the pay. Here's the package. And it was not what I asked for. But I knew God was in it, so I said yes. I said yes. They said yes. They may still be regretting that. 
And we moved up there, and in my first board meeting, they said, this is not right. This is not the right package. They left this out, and it was to the dollar. Plus, housing allowance and other things, it was really more. It was to the dollar. I've never shared this publicly. It was to the dollar what God, what I'd asked the Lord for. God's faithful. He's faithful. Now, why does God ask us to give? Because where your treasure is, where your heart is. <laughs> Martin Luther said you need two conversions, one for your soul and one for your purse. <laughs> I can promise you there's no cash in here. There's a lot of plastic money, but there's no cash. I'm not asking you to give an offering. I'm not going to receive an offering this morning. We already received that. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Prove God in this. And watch God work. Watch Him work. I fasted. I prayed. I sought the Lord. He instructed me what to do. And then He came and He said, you give. And that was a sacrifice. That wasn't, it's easier today to give $1,000 than it was then. But I did it as under the Lord. And let me tell you, God bless me, bless me, bless me. Stand with me. I'll give you many examples. How many of you ready to overthrow poverty? Amen. How many of you are ready to drive it off of this city, this, city, this denomination? Listen, we all wrestle with it. We all wrestle with it. I like to save money. I don't like to spend it. I like to be thriftful, careful. Because you don't ever know what's coming ahead that you might need it. But I believe God wants to raise, listen to me. I believe, I'm speaking prophetic. I believe God wants to raise us up. I told you at the beginning of this year, I felt like in the mid part of this year, God was going to open a door for us as a church and we'd have to walk through it. I believe this is the door that God was going to open. I wouldn't have thought it would have been this. I'd have thought it would have been something else. But I learned a long time ago not to put my thinking on God and not try to figure out what God is saying. But listen to me. I'm reminded of a word that several years ago, Joe Corden, if I can find it, I'll bring it and play it for you again, where he prophesied to us about this. God wants to break this church out of where we've been, and he wants to take us to a whole other level so we can do more for the kingdom of God. Amen. I'm not trying to get this for myself. I'm trying to get this for you. For thus saith the Lord, I'm the God of more than enough. And in this season, I'm going to reveal myself to you, my children, as the God who's more than enough. I'm going to share things with you and give you insight. And I'm going to position you to break through in the harvest. 
I'm going to bind the devourer and rebuke him for your sake. And I'm going to open the windows of heaven and pour you out blessings you'll not have room to contain. For I'm the God who loves his children. I'm the God who delights in those who fear me. And those who fear me I shall bless in this season, says the Lord. For know that I'm the God who's more than enough. And I am able and I am willing and I am moving, says the Lord. Somebody ought to give God a praise. Let's close this service this way. If you want to go to a whole nother level and we want to break that spirit of poverty, come and join me in this altar real quick. We're going to pray before we go home today.